You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producer Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody, welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we have got Peter McDonald from Wonderite in what is the first of a six part series called the McDonald Sessions. Listen, people. I, you know, I don't know what to say. Peter's one of the sharpest guys that I know. Like, I, I'm going to actually have my pen and pad out for the next six episodes of Shop Talk, taking notes from this guy, because he did what we do. That's why his software is designed the way that it is. He's not designing it from a software perspective of someone who's coming in and trying to fit into the agency world. This guy comes from the agency world. And there's a lot of people out there who've made comments about why podcasters have to have insure tech people on here. I love interviewing people who were agents that have then taken their passion for technology and turned it into something because they don't forget what they did when they were an agent. And you can always learn from other people's tricks. 20 years in, and I still listen to other people all the time. Do I think that I've got a pretty good game? Yep, I sure do. But can I learn from other people? I absolutely can. The day that I think I know everything is the day I'm going to get taken out at the knees. 100%. No no doubt in my mind. So Peter actually, as a good producer would, Peter opened the conversation to talk about putting together. He just wanted to come on and talk about a little bit. I'm like, screw that, man. You got way more to bring to the table than just one little podcast episode. Let's do a little Shop Talk mini-series about some of the things that you did that made you successful when you were a producer. And I have a feeling that y'all are sharp enough, you're going to figure out exactly the path that led Peter to, to be the co-founder of Wonder Right listening to this because every single one of us that's in the commercial arena that has supplemental applications and paperwork to fill out God. we need we we need what Peter has Kyle it's done uh, dude. Like, it's done like I got to I I, I I told Peter a year ago, call the dogs I off. Know. Tell, tell Dylan, leave me alone. I'm not ready yet. I don't write enough ENS business. And guess what happened? 
We bring Incorrect. IPFS in. Yeah, we bring IPFS in. We get total pay. All of the uh, trust accounting goes away in the agency. I'm way more excited about writing excess and surplus lines. Market starts to harden. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. And not to mention the fact, until September 30th, Wonder Rights running a deal for anybody who listens to the podcast and people who are in Killing Commercial. I'll let Peter talk about that mm. in a little bit. But let's let's get into it, man. Tell me what's up. Let's talk about what we we're talking about gap analysis today. So let's talk about that a little bit. I don't and honestly, I'm kind of excited to talk about it because we don't really get into the coverage stuff as much as we do the risk management and the sales positioning and all of that. And I think that gap analysis still plays an important role today when you're the producer. So we're not talking about going in and opening up an opportunity. And when you meet with the gatekeeper, she's going to give you a three ring binder to analyze all the policies on the fly. This is a lot more in my experience, thorough process. We used to call it risk mapping where we would go in, do the baseline risk assessment, and we would identify the risk management um, and safety concerns and everything. And then we would overlay the policies on top of that to identify gaps in what they're covering and what contractual ri- uh, risk transfers covering, plus things that may be missing on the insurance. So gap analysis is just one way to say something that I do you know, all the time. Anyhow, just don't talk about it enough, honestly. So I'm glad Peter brought that as one of the topics. Yeah, so um, I guess just taking a step back, right? What I don't want you to hear if you're listening to this is go do free work for people who are never going to buy from you. Like that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to be stuck in a spot where you're like analyzing people's risks. And then you sit down, you're like, hey, David, thanks for giving me 500 pages of stuff to look through. (laughs) I've looked through it all and here's the solution. And they're like, gee, thanks. Let me just call my high school golfing buddy who's currently writing my insurance program and uh, have have him take all your hard work and benefit let me, from let it. Let me go get in touch with him at the 19th hole on Friday afternoon. That guy is not in, doing any gap analysis at all. Oh, we can do that for you. Oh, yeah, let me just talk to the people in the office and we'll, we'll make those fixes. Thanks. Right? Yeah. So that's not what I'm saying. This is a strategy. It's part of, you know, the way that I used to work with people is, you know, just for setting the, the, the framing, I was in my early 20s. I'm on Cape Cod. Average age is literally 60 years old. Um, <laughs> and people have been doing business with their, with their guy for a long time. And I had to come in there and get someone comfortable with terminating a relationship, um, whether I was on Cape or off Cape. And so I needed a way. This is part of the reason I got the designations is I wanted to have the technical expertise. And then the way I put it to use was gap analysis. So I would get in there and the whole purpose of the first meeting is to be like, you know, it, it, the purpose is like, let, let me get, let me start learning about your organization and let me put together this gap analysis and we can put together a strategy. So the point of the gap analysis is identify areas where you can make a difference and then present solutions that involve hiring you so that you can get paid on a broker record basis. So that's kind of how the gap analysis, at least for me, originated. Let me, um, I'm gonna share my screen. I know a lot of you all are listening on, you know, not on YouTube, so I'm gonna, um, walk through the things that we talk through when I'm sharing my screen as well so you can have full context. Yeah, I think just um, real quick so that everybody who listens on a regular basis understands how we fit this in at Florida Risk, and to Peter's point, you we're already hired. 
Like we don't even begin to do the insurance. We're we're not going to go and do insurance work in hopes of getting hired. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in. We're going to do maybe a mod analysis or a cyber vulnerability assessment or a baseline risk assessment, and then go in and lay out our value proposition on what the treatment plan is for the diagnosis that 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 activity has bred, and we're going to get a letter of engagement signed at that point and agent of record letters for any current policies that are in place because we have to be your agent to move forward with any insurance work at all. Why? Because I was that guy. I went in my early 20s. I was in my early 30s. And I used to think, oh, everybody's really going to appreciate, look at me, I've got yeah. this fresh new CIC and I can go in and I can really demonstrate everything that I learned going through that. And I learned pretty quickly after about my third one that, okay, this isn't going to work. Let's find something nobody else is talking about or something that other people don't have the solution to. That's the reason why I'm so drawn to the risk management approach is because other agencies that we compete against just don't have the ability in-house or they're not willing to spend the money. So that's why it's so easy from my perspective to go after middle market using comp as a lead in or something quantifiable. Like Again, I'll, I'll say it again. Cyber is a huge one. If you're not leading with cyber right now using a vulnerability assessment the exact same way that we use the experience mod, you're missing a huge opportunity. And it's easy too. So simple. So simple. And, and listen, people, if you're not using pro writers to do it, that's why right. it's not easy. So I'm going to break it down for you here, how I used to do gap analysis. And again, different ways of doing this. I used to do this to break into the account. My objective was I'm going to win this account in a broker of record. Um, anytime I'm looking at an account, whether it's a prospect or it's a uh, an existing customer. And I know, listen, everyone who listens to this podcast is going to be an awesome producer, but it's possible you might be able to sharpen up and you know check for some of your biggest accounts. All right, so when I'm looking at someone's insurance policies, one of the first thing I'm like, hey, do you guys have a clear insurance summary? Can't tell you the number of times I go into an account and the office manager who has no idea how insurance works has no clear insurance summary. It's like a basic 101. If the person, if your prospect or your customer doesn't have a clear insurance summary, check the box and be like, here's an area of pain that I can talk to later. And of course, when you talk to this, what you don't want to say is, hey, we're... You know, your current agent didn't give you a, a, a clear insurance summary. You don't want to just say that because it doesn't really create any pain. Rather, you want to show and tell. And it and makes you look like a schlep because you're talking trash about their existing representation. Exactly. Exactly. So look if these things are listed properly. Um, again, you're just looking to if you're trying to create a cumulative effect of all this stuff that you can point to. Like, why are there so many mistakes? The number one place to start is named insured. Um, I can't tell you the number of times if somebody had, you know, a payroll company, a property holding company, and you know, some other companies, especially if you're in construction, man, these guys have new LLCs for every job. Um, and the number of times that people get the entities wrong, who does what, where does the money flow, map that out. Um, look up public records. This stuff is online for free. You can literally just go to your Secretary of State corporate database. You should be pulling all that info and you should be putting the list together and then seeing are the insurance policies listing the stuff properly? If they're not, it's not a huge problem. I mean, it could be if there is like a bad claim, um, but it's an easy thing to start talking to and just get a conversation going with your customers. Schedules, of course, revenue, payroll, properties, vehicles, drivers. Um, it's so easy to make a mistake here. Listen, I know, you know, I know I made mistakes on this stuff, but it's an easy place. Again, you're trying to add to this cumulative list of stuff that's wrong. Dig into this. 
Um, typically what happens is, you know, somebody hasn't touched the revenue or payroll in years. What that means is they're vulnerable to a work comp audit. Um, if the vehicles or the properties are listed incorrectly, you know, big problems could happen, especially if there is a, uh, you know, if a building burns to the ground or a building partially burns to the ground. And again, when you want to start talking about this, it's not, hey, I noticed that your property wasn't listed. Right. I remember I had an account um, that I picked up as a marina. They had uh, 10, 10, prop, 10 buildings in one location. And it's like uh, they only had insurance for like four of them. They had no, they had no idea. Um, but of course, if you just say, hey, you don't have insurance in these buildings. It's like it's not really painful. So it's more like, hey, David, you know, if this building were to, you know, burn to the ground, what do you do next? And they're like, I don't know, like fire department, whatever. And at some point, my insurance agent's brought into the mix. And at some point, it's like, hey, like, yeah, when you call your insurance agent, they're going to say there's, there's no coverage. It's, it's excluded. And then boom, here's the, you know, here's the, you know, you show them a piece of paper. Here's why. So you want to make them feel the pain. Compare this to public record. Business income calculation. Um, this is not an easy one. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting here. But if you if you have a, a good sense in your shoulders, maybe this is a topic to dive into on a, on a future one is, you know, how do you do a business income calculation? But these calculations, because they're hard to do properly, they're frequently incorrect. Well, and here's um, the thing, people, if you're in, I mean, we this is killing commercial 101. One of the things from our 12 months solicitation calendar is when's the last time you completed a business income worksheet, period. I'm not saying that the average CFO even understands exactly how to calculate it, but I, I can assure they you, can. if you simply ask the question and they don't know that that's that such a thing exists, you've already driven the wedge. And the other thing I wanted to bring mm -hmm. up quickly, because um, I don't, I don't want to interrupt Peter because he's he's just running right down the line. But when you get, when you get back to the point of no, no uh, named insureds, this is exactly why you do the research on your prospect before you ever meet with them the first time. If you have a Department of State website available to you, you should know everything that that person you're meeting with is tied to, both as an entity and as an individual. I talk about it in the extra two minutes. I talk about it in Killing Commercial. We've talked about it on the podcast before. But one of the things I do is I'm going to go look at the filing with the Florida Department of State for the entity. I'm going to look at who the the man managing members are or the register agent, whoever. And then I'm going to go in and I'm going to search by each one of their names because most of the time these people have holdings in an LLC. They, have, they sit on nonprofit boards that they may be listed on. And you don't need to go in and show them all of this stuff. You're doing it so that you know what you're walking into, or at least think you are, and through questioning, just like Peter said, you don't go in and say, hey, I noticed you had this, and throw it in their face. You just simply ask questions. Hey, through my research, I noticed that you're involved with such and such. Talk to me a little bit about that. Done. Now you can understand what their level of involvement is, and you can tie that into a question in coverage or whatever else, but do this up front. Don't wait for the gap analysis to go in and figure out what everybody's tied to and what your naming things need to be, you should be able to have a head start on that. And by, by the way, so this is actually just kind of context of why I wanted to build WonderWrite. Part of it was I didn't have a good place to capture all this info in an easy way. And we can circle back on that at some point in the future around how, like, how do I make it easy to just capture all this stuff, make it collaborative. But all right, moving on, no coverage for international. Um, you know, this is something where a lot of companies today, they're doing business abroad. Um, if they weren't five, 10 years ago, they might be doing it today. They might be, you know, doing international shipments. They might have product going international. They might have customers international. They might have some big exclusions for international. So just keep an eye out for that. It's something that's easy to slip by as companies change. Again, shipping exposures. Another one that's huge, huge, easy, easy, easy to find umbrella coordination. 
Um, when you buy an underlying policy, let's say an auto policy um, or you know whatever, there are certain limits of liability. Let's say it's half a million or a million. The umbrella is going to require a certain level of underlying coverage from the auto. And it's like, do those things coordinate? Can't tell you the number of times these things were incorrect, which would leave the customer or prospect exposed, whether it's insufficient limits of liability underneath or the carrier was not A-rated, had to be an A-rated carrier, um, or just like t- entire policies not even listed. This is like free coverage that's literally missing mm-hmm. because someone didn't do their job in Umbrella. And again, like, I, hey, I was guilty. Sometimes, you know, when you're working really hard to go get new business, like these are easy things that can slip under the rug with your existing clients. This is actually a good thing to do as part of your annual, you know, customer. So here's my review. question, Peter. What's the biggest account you ever closed as a result of uncovering something missing from the umbrella? Because I'm going to tell you mine. It just you know, happened think, two days ago. You know, this is uh, <laughs> probably uh, eight years ago, $200,000, 220000 in premium on the property and liability. Fifty million. So it's probably twenty thirty. Fifty million dollars in sales. Elect, electrical contractor. Fifty million. I want to say there that one go. more time. Fifty million dollars in sales, people. If you think this stuff only happens to small business, you're kidding yourself. Small business is written on bops. Half the time, that's easier to write. I mean, it's much easier to write because it's all or nothing for the most part. This is a $50 million electrical contractor, half a million dollars in premium, roughly. The workers' comp nor the auto were declared on the umbrella. It literally only wrote over the the general liability. And I'm not even getting into all of the issues with the naming. I mean, it, it is. It's nuts. That's crazy. And the only reason I even... I mean, someone literally wasn't doing yeah, their the job. The only reason I even... Well, yeah. here's what it is. This is what I said when I got on, on the phone with the owner of the company and the, the two owners of the company. And they said, what do you think? And I have to be careful in these situations because I've got a group of outsourced CFOs that refer this stuff to me. So they know that I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring the heat. But I got to be careful that I don't make them look bad. And I just said, you know what, guys? Honestly, you're going to learn from talking to me. I'm a pretty direct dude. I don't mean anything by it. I'm just not going to go around the block to get next door. What it looks what it looks like to me is that you were an electrical company that was small and you grew really, really fast. And now your insurance yep. looks like that because you're insuring your business as if you're still the the 10 man company that didn't probably even have the umbrella. And now here I'm looking at all of these moving pieces and parts in it scares me to death. I said, I'm going to lose sleep tonight over how your business is structured from an insurance and risk management standpoint. And you probably won't. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in that case, it's like, hey, you know, you have a nice broke uh, agent. Maybe you outgrew your agent, you know. Well, typically what um, we do is when it's the mod, I quantify the dollars. I'll say, hey, I, I understand your agent's your friend. Is it a $50,000 a year friend or a $100,000 right, a year friend? Which right. one is it? Have them write you that check. Do you guys still want to play golf yeah. together? You can just give Seriously. you a check. Why are you paying um, for friends? Concurrent, concurrent expiration dates. This is like, <laughs> you know that you need it sometimes like for cash flow purposes. Business clean, you might want though. to spread it's things out. that way. It's clean, but but it's also hey, what what strategy are you running? If your if your expirations are like, hey, we bought insurance this way twenty years ago, and we just whatever date we bought it for the first time, it's kind of like, so what's your strategy for shopping this efficiently every year? And again, it's just a mindset change. Um, people who want to run an efficient business, they get it. Um, I've also found this is an interesting one: duplication of coverage. This can be kind of tricky to find sometimes, but. People will pay too much. You know, with insurance, you're literally buying a piece of paper, you're buying a legal contract. And whether coverage exists or doesn't exist, or you have duplicate coverage, someone might be t- paying too much. And it's just something to, to you know, like I, I know we saw before, like, hey, you're insuring this vehicle two times. Like, how do you feel about that? 
and they're like, wait, what? You're, we're paying, you know, instead of paying 2000 a year, we're paying 4000 for each vehicle. You know, you can, you can definitely win an account like that pretty quickly. You ever seen something like that, David? Kyle? Yeah. I mean, I had a, um, I had an accountant, um, that got referred that had, he had a separate E&O policy and a professional liability policy. I think he had ended up, he also had a professional liability extension in the GL. Um, and I, and he was just like, yeah, he just, he's just professional liability for days with this guy. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you where I've seen it before that's been interesting is I wrote an IT staffing company like early on in my career and the guy sent the stuff over to me to look at and I just I, I kept going through and I kept seeing bond after bond after bond for a million oh, yeah. dollars and I'm yep. like dude what are you doing man like does anybody explain to you that you could write like one bond with a larger limit and make it blanket and we can just endorse these bondholders you know these um, obligees on here every time you need one. I mean, what's the deal? Sometimes man? people don't like they they came into a job, they inherited the insurance, they have no idea what they're looking at. I mean, listen, let's be honest, half the agents don't have any idea what they're looking at, right? They're just there to build a well, relationship. I him, so I asked him, I, I said, hey, why do you have all these bonds? He said, because we need them. I'm like, why do you need them? He goes, because every time my sales guy goes and gets, or my sales people go and, and get a deal, you know, we just go get whatever we need from that we don't have from a requirement standpoint. I'm like, I just saved you $50,000 <laughs> that quickly. Just take it. Just t- fixing your Take it one issue. step further. Whenever I wanted to talk about savings, right? Let's say they were overspending 4000 a year. Or ten thousand. If they're overspending ten thousand a year, I'd say, "Hey, David, what was your profit margin?" And they're like, "Oh, it's ten percent." Okay, ten percent. So if we reduce, you know, ten thousand dollars of annual cost, that feels like a hundred thousand dollar impact to your organization, right? Now, hey, are you thinking about M and A? Are you thinking about selling the company? What does that do? That drops straight down to your earnings. That's a ten x multiplier. So these these small things can add up to be huge impacts, you know, at least from a framing perspective when you're talking about it, making that feel like a much more you know impactful thing. Well, and it's funny because I did a blog post earlier this week. I haven't released it yet. Um, in fact, I just remembered I need to go find out why it hasn't been released yet. But I, I talk about that and how you put things into terms to where people understand. And my favorite way of doing it is I'll use their sales and then I'll use an assumed profit margin, being careful to not offend them right. by that. But I want to show them how many days a year they're working just to pay for their total cost of risk. 100%. You know, you could take that savings and, and incorporate that as to here's here's how many employees I can fund for you to make your life easier. I mean, there's yep. so many different Agreed. ways you can go with. Uh, it. Another thing that's typically a mess, especially if you're collecting a copy of policies from somebody, I feel I have always find endorsements were a mess. They weren't necessarily kept in the right spot, and um, you know, sometimes an endorsement did or didn't happen, and it was supposed to happen, or it didn't. Maybe it happened too close to the renewal, and then and then like the renewal didn't pick up on it. So there's just some funky things that can happen there. That happens a lot, man. That happened that happened it's, to me. Like I don't tricky. mind telling people. That happened to me. We had a fleet. It was like a year ago and I didn't it was we were rel- maybe it was 2 years ago. We were relatively new with our relationship with Guard and I didn't realize, you know, I was under the impression, okay, we're just going to and guess what? Didn't check in the renewal when it came in the way that I should have. You know, I number 1, I'm not sitting checking in renewals. No personally, but my account manager didn't check in the renewal, didn't pick up on it. And then all of a sudden, guess which vehicle was in, in a rack. Now, all, all that to say, 
guard stepped up and took care of it because it was obvious of the intent. They went, they endorsed the vehicle onto the current policy. But I mean, that's a really good point, man, especially with technology and how easy it is to add this stuff now. It's not like you're going in and doing a change request in your AMS every time you want to do a vehicle and you're following that paper trail. It's really dangerous how simple it is to do that. So that's a really good point. The other thing I want I want to bring up is it, it does go back to checking in your quotes and checking in your policies. But look, people, look at the schedule of forms and endorsements before you ever even dive into any of this stuff. You know, look at your named insurance, obviously, because that's going to be one of the top first things you see. Look at your underwriting exposure data, but look at the list of forms and endorsements that were on the quote. And then look and see what's actually in the policy when you get it. And if it's a new piece of business you're going after, the low-hanging you, you you will know the low-hanging fruit fruit from the schedule. You're going to know what the restrictive endorsements are and what could cause that client an issue at audit or whatever else. I mean, it's insane some of the things, especially with the way they do, um, you know, minimum earned at this point. You know, minimum premium, minimum earned premium, and all of that. I mean, that's a whole other discussion for another day. But in the ENS world, that's another way you can go in because sometimes people, like, especially with COVID, what happens when you're an ENS and all of a sudden you do half the business, but you're on a 100% minimum premium policy? You're toast. 100%. You're not going to give you that money back. That's not going to be a fun day in the office. <laughs> no. Yeah. And listen, I think, David, I texted you the other day. I'm having a little FOMO with all the opportunity that's out there. I mean, you can see just looking at like page one of gap analysis, you know, you look at some of your own best accounts and it's like, you know, there there could be these kind of gaps you might have, you know, to the listeners out there. And if I'm out there hungry to win new business, these are the uh, the tools I'm using in my arsenal to go, you know, win accounts. Um, I, I got a lot more to chat through here and I know, you know, we want to keep things short and to the point here. So maybe we come back, but you know, I know work comp experience mod, Dave, you've covered that a lot. Um, big up here where I'm on Cape Cod, some of the gotchas ordinance or law coverage missing, mm-hmm. non-existent. Huge. Um, people don't understand what this means. So you need to get like, when you're starting to think through, how do I explain that? And we'll talk about how do you explain stuff maybe in a, in a follow-up. Again, you don't want to just blabber to your prospect. Hey, you guys don't have ordinance or law. They're going to be like, I don't really care. You're kind of weird. Get out of here. Um, so that- You know how I explain it? I point to the blue tarp on my neighbor's roof who didn't have enough ordinance and law and had a tree yep. go through the roof and do electrical damage on the inside of the foyer of his house. And when they Good came gosh. out, they had to bring the entire home up to code, and the house was built in 1980. Wolf. Yeah, on Cape Cod, we got houses from the 1700s. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. I think you co- win. <laughs> co- co- well, I think Florida probably wins because you guys have a lot more stuff going on right now. Um, co- co-insurance. But it's crazy. The house sat. This guy's house sat with a tarp on it for a year and a half till they could save up the That's cash insane. to get the electrical done because it was excluded. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can have situations where you have part of your home is damaged. For those of you who aren't familiar, ordinance or law is like, is is there a local town ordinance or a law in place that's going to require you to do something that you don't want to do? This is the uh, bureaucrats making you annoyed and frustrated, right? So if half of your home is damaged in a fire and the fire department's like, you know what? You have to tear the whole house down. Well, listen, insurance may not pay for that, right? And so now, not only are you dealing with half of a home that's gone, you have to pay to destroy the entire house and rebuild from scratch. So you got a problem on your hands. We've seen this with like, I think a big one that you'll see is sprinklers, right? Where a building's not sprinklered. We've seen this with our prospects and customers. Half the building burns down 
And now the, now the government's saying, listen, in order to rebuild, in order to get your, you know, residential permit for all the units you have there, you have to put sprinklers in the entire building. And it's like, gosh, where are we going to get the cash to pay for the sprinkler system? Um, coinsurance provisions. I just call these penalties. If I'm talking to somebody like, Hey, when you get your payout, what sort of penalty do you want the insurance company to give you? Um, you know, large deductible provisions. This is big with contractors. You're right. If you're a contractor, you have to have a certificate of insurance for anybody you ever met in your life. Um, and they all have to have A rated insurance companies that are insuring them. Well, guess what? If they don't have an A plus rated company, all of a sudden you might have a gap. You might have a twenty-five, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar deductible. Um, definitely going to be something that you want to be aware of if you're a contractor. I've seen this play out uh, quite a few times. Um, on the liability side, it's funny, but you know, Dave talked about leading with cyber in the beginning of the call. Um, but the amount of people who don't have cyber insurance who probably need it, or uh, professional, or E and O, um, liquor liability. Sometimes organizations will have events, no liquor coverage, or you know, employment practice liability. Do you know these are things that? People never set it up in the beginning the right way. Um, you definitely need to just at least flag these things. And in your own review process, you should definitely be talking But Peter, about I've got EPLI in my employee leasing arrangement. My PEO gives me EPLI. That's why I bought from them. They make it so easy. I mean... How about that third-party endorsement, people? You, I mean, again, it goes... <laughs> It's just one of my favorite things all the of all time because these it's like somebody hears a buzzword about a coverage and now all of a sudden they're an expert on it. And I'm speaking about the clients at this point. They they read an article, they heard somebody at a at a, at a um, lunch and learn or something like that. And all right. of a sudden they're an expert. And I mean to me that that's a huge that's a big wedge that I've used. I can't even tell you how many times I've used that wedge when I go in and there's no third party endorsement and it's a contractor or somebody who's sending their employees into other people's homes. And I mean it's just absolutely nuts. Yep. And again, what we're trying to do here in this gap analysis is not necessarily fix all the problems at once, right? Because you're probably not going to be able to do that. But it's just what are all the things you can start to create pain about? And by the end of this, if I'm the prospect, my eyes are going to roll back in my head and be like, David, can you please fix this for me? Just take this off my plate. And you're like, well, I have a solution for that. It's called a broker record. All you have to do is sign this one page document and we can fix 90% of these problems. And we got a plan in place to like take care of that. So I got a quick question on that because obviously like if you're, I mean, you're not going to go through every single one. Like if somebody's just a total dumpster fire and you know, they've got, I mean, we, we've got... This is like Mike Tyson fighting Glass Joe on uh, Mike Tyson's punch I mean, but we've got... So, like, over the past couple slides here, we've got 15, 16, however many bullet points. You're not obviously not going to go over all of that. You know, how do you do it without overwhelming the insured and making them just like, you know... Because I, I could see the opposite happening is, is where they get so overwhelmed that they're just like, dude, you're freaking me out, kind of like you said earlier. Yeah. Um. So, how, like, so, how do you do that without overwhelming them? Yeah. And so I think just taking a step back and framing this, what am I talking about right now? This is a process that I would run on an account. This isn't how I would communicate it, right? I think like I want to be relentlessly prepared and I would literally read policies, talk to the general manager, walk the premises. Like there are things that I would do, take photos, document and organize research, and then look for gaps. Because now when I go in there, I'm an asset to that business. Like I am somebody that you would want on your team. Like, and that's the feeling that I want, you know, somebody to have. So 
what you do as a process and what you communicate and how you communicate it, two totally different things, mm-hmm. right? When I wouldn't say EPLI to my prospect, like I wouldn't even use that term because it's just confusing. No, I tell um, them it's HR insurance. It's yeah, 100%. This is like, hey, your stupid sales guy said something stupid and now it's a Me Too movement, right? Yeah, like, this, this, this is called good manners insurance for people who weren't raised right. Yeah, so I think, again, this is really just an internal process that I would use to gather information and know where the pain was, we should probably do a follow-up on like, how would you communicate this? Because there's an art to it where someone would say, just give me the list. And then it's like, yeah, don't do that, right? So flood, earthquake, pollution, these are things, people forget them all the time. Boiler machinery, coordination, what's the period of interruption, um, drive other car endorsements, the number of businesses that don't even have car insurance, mm. but they still have employees renting cars, you know, driving cars or whatever, having exposure there, being pedestrians, right? Um, not having the appropriate coverage between actual cash value, replacement costs, not having crime or terrorism policies, also deductible sizes. It's like, hey, who chose a $500 deductible? Why do you still have that? Have you ever thought proactively about your deductible sizes and what that could do for you? Or the people that have no deductible, but they're self-insuring for the first 5,000 of claims. Yeah. Um, as long as they're aware of it. Again, it's just things to be aware of. Um, I think sometimes the contracts with vendors, we would ask them. I'd say, give me your contracts. Give me your contracts for the buildings that you lease, that you own, or that you rent. We're looking for terms like subrogation, hold harmless, insurance requirements. Um, frequently, these things aren't necessarily... Um, you know, coordinated again, just back to the theme of coordination. When these things aren't coordinated, no one really cares, right? Until like the building is in flames, until like someone smashes the car into somebody on the sidewalk. And then all of a sudden, these things really matter. Um, and like that's why it's, you know, again, you want to paint the picture, but in order to paint the picture, you need to have the data and be accurate. Um, part of what I would do back to kind of your question, Kyle. At some point when we're working together, I would put together this plan. I called it like the risk navigator. It was kind of like taking, you know, taking turns from the old school printout of a GPS. <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, where are you today and where do you want to be? One year, 18 months, 24 months. And it would kind of go through the different steps. So I'm, I'm outlining here. Maybe you want to do a loss analysis. Maybe you want to have employee compliance training. Maybe you want to talk through the globally harmonized system training. Uh, employee handbook, OSHA, like buy sell agreement. There's just different things that touch points that I could have. And I would set the expectation that like, look, some of these things we're going to fix right away when you sign that broker record. Some of these things, it's going to take 18, 24 months. If you're talking EMOD, you know, experience mod for the workers comp, it could take three to four years, right? For that to totally roll off and um, to tell a better story. Again, if you're working on an account that's like a dumpster fire, or you know, I used to tell people if your if your business looks like a landfill, no one's going to want to insure you. You need to you need to fix the business up. It doesn't happen overnight. Some things we can fix in the insurance side from a technical perspective. Some of it's just like how do you run a good business? And so this is kind of what I would put together, and I would get my prospect to agree to this. We'd sign off on it, and then you know sometimes we would do this, sometimes we would we would screw up, and we wouldn't do all these things, and um, we'd have to be held accountable for that. Well, listen, man, that was a lot. And that was like six episodes in one, in my opinion. <laughs> people, listen, if you're not if you're not doing this stuff, you might be in the wrong business. I mean, it, it's it, it's crazy. I think so many times that we, when I look at the producers that are out there, you have the people that are the really good salespeople that know nothing about insurance. You have the really good people, who, the people who are really really good with technical insurance, that aren't great salespeople. 
The ones who are the most successful are the hybrids, man, right right down the middle. You're equally as good at technical as you are at sales. And that's that's what I've always said um, because I'll, I'll have people when I'm talking to them in, in meetings say, you know what, you're, you're actually a pretty good salesperson. You've done a really good job doing this, which I love to hear. But I also tell them I'm I'm equally as deadly on the technical side. Like I know my stuff. Like it's not it's not I'm I'm not coming in here and selling you something and then walking away. I actually know what I'm doing too. That's one of the reasons why I think that I've interfaced so well. The other thing is is I've gotten older. I've got a million stories now, so it's a lot easier to talk about the claim that went bad or whatever else. And you know, I think some of that just comes with the maturation of your career. So, listen, people, we're going to wrap this one up. Peter, quick, give them the special pricing for Wonderwrite and how to get a hold of you before we do, because this episode will run long before that special deal's over. Yeah, so we were chatting, and Dylan and I were after Key West. We put together a uh, you know the the pricing discounts, the lowest pricing we've ever had for Wonderite uh, across the board, um, standardized pricing. Hit us up uh, until I guess the end of September is what we all agreed on, and um, let us know you heard about us in the Killing Commercial podcast. And we're looking forward to chatting. People, it is worth booking the demo. I can't even begin to tell you. There, is, there are videos all over social right now just blasting this pricing. And one today is getting ready to drop of Peter just rowing a boat like nobody's business out in the middle. A vessel. Of the, he, a vessel. Is, he is just controlling that vessel in the middle of the water, rehashing his Key West experience. We'll catch you guys next week. Until then, see ya. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes